Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the A Word podcast. What is the A Word? The A Word symbolizes the censorship that comes with speaking about mental health and life experiences in general. This is a space where those censors do not exist and where we are able to have raw, real, and unfiltered conversations about mental health, spilling some tea about life, and sharing some laughs and cries along the way. Above all, we are here to have fun, do some self-care, and some loving on you. Welcome to the A Word. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the A Word podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about my mental health journey, my mental health journey as a black woman, as a mom, as someone who has really struggled with codependency, abandonment issues, internalization of other people's thoughts and opinions of me, and the list goes on and on and on. I want to kind of give you guys a synopsis of my mental health journey. The point of this podcast is always for me to be as real, as raw, and as unfiltered as possible. So with that, I do want to issue out a trigger warning just in case I may touch on um, something that is very, very dear to you, something you have experienced, it may trigger some emotions in you, naturally. If you find that to be the case and you need to not listen to this podcast or you need to take a break and come back to it, you are more than welcome. This is about you. I am just here to be a voice and speak about things that we don't always feel comfortable speaking about. So getting into my story. If I had to give myself a root of my struggles with anxiety and depression, self-love, self-worth, the list goes on, a lot of it would stem from my relationship with my father. And people make jokes about daddy issues all the time. Oh, she got daddy issues. It It's real. It's really real. And I think it's not just real for women. It's real for men. I have some I've been with people in the past and I have some friends male friends that struggle with their relationships with their fathers and it's still very much affecting them because they're still dealing with that inner child and now that adult that's pissed off aside from the inner child and that's a lot of what stems with my situation so to give you some background I really, really struggled with my relationship with my dad. My parents had me when they were both 17 years old. So naturally, that was a struggle. And there was definitely not going to be a fairy tale type situation. But my dad was never really around. You know, my mom did what she had to do. And my dad kind of just dipped and came back when it was convenient for him. So I, the first time I went to therapy 
when I was a child, I was around seven or eight years old. And the reason why I went to therapy was I was dealing with these issues of not knowing how to handle my situation with my dad, along with the fact that I had dealt with sexual abuse around that age as well. Not for my dad, but um, these things were happening at the same time. And so my grandpa took me to a therapist to help me. And with my dad, those situations were, you know, times where he didn't know my birthday. One time he didn't know my birthday, he yelled at me, said he was going to spank me over the phone um, because I was lying about it being my birthday when the fact of the matter was that he really just didn't know my birthday. And then a situation where he did come by out of jealousy that my mom was dating somebody else and attempted to put hands on her. And that was something that I never forgot and that I remembered vividly. It was something that played over and over in my my mind for a year, really. And so with that kind of stuff, I go to therapy. Keep in mind, I am a black woman and mental health has historically been taboo. We are making progress, but historically it's been taboo across the board, but especially in households of color and specifically in my case, a black household uh, full of women who did not know how to navigate mental health, had never ever addressed their own mental health because it wasn't something you did. So to also give you context into how I grew up, grew up in my household, I grew up with my mother, my grandmother, for a while my two aunts also lived with us and my grandpa until he passed. So it was a house that was run by a matriarch that grew up in Jim Crow, Texas, and had to figure out a lot of stuff on her own later in life because her husband got a disease and was not able to work anymore because of his disability. And she worked, my grandma worked two jobs for a good portion of her life just to get us into a better area and give really give me a life that my my mother and her sisters didn't have and a lot of it was always work hard she's very much the typical strong, independent black woman. And that is who we were all raised to be in different ways. I definitely have that quality, those strong black female qualities. I don't need anyone to do anything for me, I but I want that sometimes. So there's kind of the difference. Like I know that I don't need it, but sometimes I want it. And with that kind of outlook also comes the Black women always have to be strong. We can't show weakness. And then when mental health is paired with weakness so frequently, it kind of makes mental health a topic that's to not be discussed. Because 
when you're growing up, you're you're crying. It's you know, stop that crying. Getting on my nerves. That kind of thing. Just simple emotions like that are treated like they're wrong. So then you it makes for me, it made me feel like I could not talk to anybody. And as I got older, I really realized that they just didn't know how to be there for me. What I was going through, which wasn't very different from what my grandpa went through, ours just manifested differently and mine showed its colors super early in life was just that struggle being depressed even as a child being depressed because I felt so abandoned um and unwanted and a lot of people and I think as a mom now myself I hope that regardless of anything that my love is always going to be enough for Melanie to feel good about herself for her to feel nice for her to feel like I am in her corner or she has someone in her corner but from my own experience it didn't matter for some reason it did not matter how much love I received from my mom and her family that lack of having that lack that peace was missing because my dad wasn't involved and it always made me wonder. And I, for a long time as a kid, I blamed myself. I thought I did something wrong. It must be me. There must be something wrong with me because he doesn't want to be involved. But although I did struggle with that abandonment at that time, I still had that void filled because my grandpa was involved in my life up until age 11 he died when I was 11 years old and he was my everything my grandpa was the only person I had a relationship with in my house um not for not to blame anybody else it's just that's how it worked out my mom was always working trying to go to school because she was a pretty young mom and she's trying to get a degree and trying to do what she can to be better for me and I will never fault her for that especially not when that's a similar situation to what I am in right now. And, but the fact of the matter was, is that my grandpa was all I felt I had. So when he died, that was the first time that I had tried to commit suicide. And that was a huge bomb set off in my family because it's like, here's this black family who doesn't really deal with mental health doesn't really talk about their emotions or anything at all for that matter and here's this child trying to kill themselves I became a a weak link in a sense I was made to feel weak and not because I was sad that my grandpa died everybody was sad everybody understood that sentiment that part of grieving his death but it was the fact that I at such a young age felt the need to take my own life that was so alarming and naturally that would be alarming because I was so young and you want to blame 
people at that time, I feel like even now still, they blame TV and they blame music and social media and all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't really watching stuff to know that. I was watching Disney Channel. Nickelodeon. People weren't killing themselves on Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. It was just a natural process from being so depressed. And it was almost instant. And part of that's also because I blame myself for his death. I had an argument with him the morning of his heart attack because he had relapsed on alcohol. And to clarify, my... Although my grandpa was an alcoholic, that will never define him as a man. He was the greatest man I've ever met in my life and was so loving and gentle and hilarious and nerdy and just phenomenal. And when I argued with him and I was like, you know, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to die because you're relapsing and you're not taking care of yourself. And I never really understood why my grandpa drank. But as I got older, and in no way am I excusing his alcoholism and using alcohol, but as a as um, a healing or a numbing mechanism, rather, is really what it is, is I'm not trying to say that's okay. But I do understand as I got older and I handled what I was doing wasn't any better. I mean, and I just, I handled my mental health struggles differently than he did. Um, but after he died, it felt like I had nothing. And so I, I tried to kind of turn to my, my biological father to see if there was a possibility that maybe he could fill that void for me. You know, maybe this was a time for us to reconnect, trying to find the silver lining in something that was awful. And my dad, the one of the first things he said to me, you know, after I told him my grandpa died was him bashing my grandpa. So then that just showed me off rip, like you know, this is not going to work. But as time went on, um, especially like in my teenage years up to like 16, from like ages, I don't know, I want to say like 13 to 16, my dad tried to kind of be involved, but he was still very much in and out. He ended up being the one that would take me driving when I was learning how to drive because me and my mom just, it, it wasn't going to work. Mm -mm. So... He ended up being that person for me. And during those car rides, he'd always take the opportunity to bash my mother and sometimes bash me and blame me for why he wasn't in my life, saying I was a bad kid and I was a bad person. And you want to think that you're just going to be like, well, I know I'm not a bad person. I know that's not my fault. But it's like, well, your dad is saying it. Like, at that point in time in my life, I just could not fathom and still can't. I would never say that kind of stuff to my kid. I never have understood parents that can stoop that low to say such mean things to their children. Especially 
a teenage girl. Like as a teenage girl, I'm already dealing with stuff. My hormones are all out of whack. Stuff is growing. Things are changing. It's a lot, you know, and I started to listen to those things and those conversations progressively got worse. Um, Specifically when I was in a relationship and I know that above all, and the reason why I want to, I want to preface this with, I spent majority of my life in a relationship. I was pretty much always in some form of a relationship from ages 11 to 22. Um, 20, I don't know. I, I can't even keep track. But for a long time, I was pretty much always in a relationship. Rarely ever single. I think the longest in those time frames I would be single is like six, seven months. And then there you go, back in another relationship. So my relationships really defined a good portion of my life because I spent so much time in them. And so I'm taking away my inner child and those demons that I was fighting with my dad spilled over into every single relationship and they kept building and building and building off of each other into just this great spiral that I'm glad eventually came to a halt, but took a lot of time to realize and get a hold of. So my anxiety, I had a lot of anxiety surrounded being left alone and being abandoned, um, which turned me into a people pleaser because I always wanted to do stuff for people because I thought that was the only way that I'd get them to stick around. Let me buy them something. Let me do their homework. Let me go pick them up and take them here. You know, let me just say yes to everything they asked me to do because I don't want to lose them. I'm so anxious about losing them. I'm so anxious about being left alone yet again and some feeling like somebody may not want me. And then depressed because... I hate myself. There's no inch of myself that loves me. Everything I do is bad. I'm not a good person. And like that's I like those car conversations I said kept getting worse. My dad kept calling me a bitch and a hoe and a slut and telling me stuff like I would never be good enough for anything but lying on my back. And to give you some context, I was one of those kids who did everything. I was on the dance team. I was in the band. I was a leader in the band and on the dance team. I was on student council, NHS, you name it. I probably did it. And I would do those kinds of things and those activities because I just wanted people to be proud of me. I just wanted to feel like I was doing something because it distracted me from how much I actually hated myself. And so with those internalizations of the stuff that my dad would say to me, it would literally be like, you know how if you have a morning mantra and they're supposed to be positive, I would wake up in the morning and think negatively about myself. Or you're not pretty enough or you're, you're, your dad, remember your dad said you're a bad person. You're not 
capable, you're not worthy of love, you're not worthy of respect. Those are the kind of things that I would say completely the reverse of affirmations, right? I guess there were affirmations in a sense, but they were very, very negative and damaging affirmations that were became engraved in my DNA literally for years from teenager to adult. Um, <clears throat> so moving into my relationships, I, all my relationships were not bad and they weren't detrimental, but I, I struggled a lot in all of my relationships because I did not love myself and, and, and that manifested in different ways, depending on the guy, because I've been with a good guy and I've been with a horrible guy. So it, I'm going to start off talking about how that affected me and my relationship. So my very first boyfriend, I'm going to call him Steve. Okay. Um, Steve was really good to me. He was as good to me as he could have been. Um, because he had a lot going on in his life. Um, his mother had breast cancer and his dad was in prison and he was lost himself, you know? You know what I mean? Like he didn't, he really couldn't give me, it's like, it was just two very, very lost kids together and um I start with Steve because um Steve and I like I said he was my first love my first everything and we were off and on from ages 12 to 18 um and recently we became friends again you know so I guess we've been friends again for about a year and it's he, I look back and I realize that he, in a sense, became fuel for my dad. My dad would use Steve as a way to get to me. And my dad did not know Steve personally. I think they only saw each other like once or twice, if that, maybe just once. But he would bring him up in our conversations and he would throw him at me and be like, you know, he probably doesn't really want you. He's probably just with you so he can have sex with you. He's probably just with you for X, Y, Z. But none of the reasons and none of the things that he would say in regard to my relationship with Steve was positive. And it wasn't negative towards Steve. It was negative really mostly towards myself. And it would affect how I felt about myself in my relationship with Steve. It wouldn't necessarily be, it wasn't that Steve made me feel bad about myself. I feel like if he was probably the most uplifting boyfriend that I've ever had um, in my entire life, <laughs> to be quite honest. And even though when we were together, we were kids. Um, but... I couldn't help but letting those same internalizations live within me and fuel how I felt about myself, even in terms of that relationship. It didn't matter what Steve did. It wasn't anything he said necessarily. The only thing that contributed in our relationship to making me feel worse about myself was when he cheated. 
Um, but I mean, people make mistakes and I didn't deem it the situation bad enough to not be with him, but it did make me feel bad about myself. It did make me wonder if maybe some of that stuff my dad said about me was true and not because like Steve never said that, but when you wake up almost every day to tell yourself something negative about yourself, it's really easy to turn almost every situation to a negative. And that's what I did. So I would just add on these layers and layers of hatred and lack of self-worth and lack of self-respect to that, to, to be real. And it was just very unhealthy for myself. And with that, I think that was a turning point of when I lost any sense of like joy. I was kind of just going through the motions, even as a teenager, literally just going through the motions, showing up at school every day, putting a smile on my face, being the goofy girl, being the officer, being the drum major and going home and just hating myself because it didn't matter what I did. So sorry y'all Steve and I ended up breaking up like years after this um we mended our relationship we went through the motions but at the end of the day like I said when you have two kids that are so lost and so unhealed um rightfully so because we were kids and we weren't in situations to feel like we had spaces either one of us to completely heal or maybe not even realizes that we needed to heal from something but we ended up breaking up and so now I'm carrying on anything I dealt with before with abandonment with my dad and I'm already hating myself that's increasing and then now I'm starting to develop a hatred for men in general But it's a weird hatred because it's like, and it's not because of Steve. Steve didn't make me hate men. It's like, it's more like, um, there is no man that will love me. Dad, boyfriend, anything. There's nobody who's just going to stay and be there and be mine and be there for me because I was looking for myself and other people. I was trying to find that good person within other people. But even when I was told you're great, you're amazing. I love you. It went through one ear, not the other. So it was like I, what I was looking for I was also rejecting in a sense, but I never should have been looking for myself and anybody else but me, but it took me a long time to realize that. So I get out of relation with Steve into a relationship with David and that was 
10,000 times worse than anything that I went through with anyone. That was a very abusive relationship, physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive. And it didn't start off that way. And initially, I would, I would put off the blame for it and make excuses for it because the guy I was with he had dealt with some abusive situations himself. So I was thinking, you know, well, he's like this because this was done to him. And every time something would happen, even when stuff started off small, because abuse never starts off physical from what I understand. From any of my personal situations and situations with other people, it starts off with mind games and just mental, like that mental. Because once that you can touch somebody's mental you got it in the bag. You're, you have control. And this guy would do stuff to me like take my car, leave me stranded somewhere and kick me out of his apartment with, but keep my keys and, you know, keep my phone so I can't reach anybody. And that situation was actually the next time that I tried to commit suicide in my life. So I tried to commit suicide when my grandpa died. About a year after my grandpa died, I tried to commit suicide again. And that was a time that Steve actually saved me and kept me from doing that. Um, the third time that I tried to commit suicide was when Dave... Well, I can't remember if I called him Dave or David. Either way, whichever one I'm going with Dave. Dave kicked me out of his apartment, kept my phone, kept my keys so I couldn't go anywhere. I went and laid in the street. And I knew this this road wasn't super busy, but I was used to cars being out at the time. And I literally laid out in the middle of the road waiting for a car to run me over. Because at that point, I'm like, I can't talk to my family about anything. They don't understand. I'm being weak, right? If I talk to my family about it back home, I'm being weak. At this point, that's what it was, how it felt. Um, I have those same internalizations playing in my head. You're not good enough for my dad. And then the stuff that Dave would say to me would equal that same thing. Dave would tell me stuff like I should kill myself. Like, when someone tells you that you should kill yourself, I don't know. Like, I wasn't equipped to handle someone saying that kind of thing to me. That just put me down, knocked me back a hundred more steps. And then here I am closer and closer to this darkness. And then I got there when I was laying down on that road. And it's nothing but God that got me up and walked back. And at that time, I didn't have a good relationship with God. At the time, I was really, really doubting God because I could not understand. I found myself at a crossroads where I didn't understand why God took good people, but kept shitty people on this earth. I never understood that. And I, I, I despised God for taking my grandpa away from me at the time. And... I despise God for making me such a terrible person. 
And every time I wanted to die, I didn't. And I had to realize that that was some, if God, my ancestors, guides, somebody, there is somebody out there checking for me, rooting for me. And I needed that. So moving from Dave, I, I absolutely hated myself at this point. This is one of the darkest moments of my life, but I wasn't broken yet. And it's crazy because I thought that that was my rock bottom and it wasn't. My rock bottom actually came right around the time, around the time I got pregnant and after I had my baby. I really, really suffered from postpartum depression on top of the fact that I was diagnosed again with severe anxiety and depression while I was pregnant. I was really, really struggling. I, for, for, I mean, for good reason. My pregnancy was unplanned. I got pregnant by a dude that I didn't really, hadn't been with that long, didn't really know that well, and I felt stuck. And, um, not because I had Melanie, I chose to have Melanie. I had the option of getting an abortion and I chose to have her. So it was never about whether or not I actually wanted to have her because I made the decision to do that. And ultimately that was the best damn decision I've ever made in my life. But When you're in a relationship and now you're about to have a kid with somebody that you barely even know, just to be honest, I didn't really know him. We rushed into our relationship. Everything was moving at the speed of lightning and I could not catch up. And I just, I started to lose myself in the relationship. Um, I became somebody that I did not recognize at all. I absolutely did not know who she was. That girl that I was when we were then when me and um my child's father were together was not a woman that I'm proud of she was not a woman that I would ever want to revisit she was broken she was unhappy there was potential in her but she couldn't see it And it's always crazy because some of the people that I met, I met some of my um, pretty good friends that I have now, they met me. They met that girl. That's the version of me that they met. And I'm thankful that they honestly stuck around because she, she cried almost every day. And, but I'm glad that I evolved from that woman, from that woman who didn't know who she was, that woman that hated herself. And as I'm closing out, I am, my mental health is not perfect. I still suffer from anxiety at times. I still deal with depression. The difference is that I have not let it consume me. I've not let it take my power away anymore. I've learned techniques and ways to deal with my anxiety, depression that have let me 
love who I am, who've let me embrace my every flaw, my every, everything about myself. And if that is something that you are also struggling with, I want to say that there is so much light at the end of the tunnel, even when it doesn't seem like it is. Sometimes I think we feel rejected by the fact that we want things to happen for us now and they're not happening right now. So we feel, well, why is it not for me? Or maybe I'm not meant for this. And that's not the case. It's just maybe not time for that yet. Maybe you're not ready for that journey yet, but that journey is going to come. So thank you guys so much for listening to episode four of the A Word podcast. So I just want to leave you guys with some affirmations. Number one, my past does not define me. Number two, I am constantly healing and growing. Number three, I am abundant and prosperous in every way. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you are finding yourself in need of learning how, needing the tools to learn how to love yourself and live in your power so that you can move forward and achieve your goals in life, I have spots open in my new Remix Your Life course. If you are interested in that, you can always send me an email or you can DM me on my Instagram at Ashley Crittenden underscore XO. All right, you guys have a wonderful day, night, afternoon, whatever it may be where you are. And thank you so much, you beautiful, beautiful people.